Turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 2. He was mentioning the fact that, you know, uh, losing his voice. Uh, I can't think of any better way to lose your voice than to be singing praises to God while you're doing it. Um, I also think of the prophet Ezekiel. I've been reading through the book of Ezekiel in Bible reading. Uh, I read through the Bible every year, and I'm in Ezekiel right now. And Ezekiel spent months, if not years, silenced by God, not able to speak a word. And so I, I, it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a unheard of thing for a prophet, for a preacher, not to be able to speak. I'll get that. But go ahead and turn to James chapter two. All right, James chapter two. James wrote this letter to a bunch of scattered believers all over the Roman Empire. And today, we are going to look at one of the most important passages that he writes to them. Stand with me as we read James chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 14. We're going to read all the way through verse 26. This is James 2, 14 to 26. And it is God's word. And if you let it, it will change your life. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Do you believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, O foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Pray with me. Father, may we not have a dead faith, but one living and active. Use your word to shape us into your image and to guide our paths. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we started the series on James, we took the 50,000-foot view through chapter 1, and we saw that James is preoccupied with a faith that works. In fact, uh, I said the theme of this letter is that faith is not faith until it is actively obedient to God's commands. Because James isn't interested in what's going on in the brain. He's interested in in what has happened in the brain coming out of the hands and the feet and the mouth uh, of us living out this faith and not merely professing it. He talked in chapter 1 about this. uh, Chapter 1, verses 22 and following, he says, "...but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For when he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, 
but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so today we're going to zero in on this uh, uh, core theme of the book, this theme of active faith, a faith with works. And in fact, he, he draws our attention with two questions in chapter 14. This is going to look a little weird on your outline. I've got the first question and a whole bunch of stuff under it, and then I got the second question. Okay? We're going to say, I'm going to go ahead and give you both questions, and then we're going to proceed through the passage. All right? So it's going to look a little weird because you're going to fill in that top line, and then you're going to skip down almost to the very bottom. Okay? But, but just follow along with me because we're going to talk about what the questions are first, and then we'll come back and deal with the rest. Okay? James 2.14 gives us two questions. The first question is, what good is faith without works? What good is faith without works? Excuse me. You might ask this question a little differently. You might ask it something along the lines of, what advantage is it to have faith and not have works? In other words, what do you gain by having a faith that doesn't work? And then if that wasn't enough to ponder, he asked the second question right behind it. So the first question is, what good is faith without works? The second question is, can faith without works save? Can faith without works save? So, end of verse 14. Can that faith save him? So he asked the question, what good is it if you have faith, but you don't have works? What good is faith without works? And then he asked the second question, can faith without works save? Now, the way that James asks the question is difficult to translate. The wording that he uses and, and, and certain words that he doesn't use, um, it's kind of difficult. But this is not designed to be an immediate no, I don't think. Just from my study, from my trying to understand the text, I think the question is a little bit more like what, what uh, another version of the Bible has. The Lexham English Bible, which is a Bible put out by Lexham Press, says it this way. It says, that faith is not able to save him, is it? You see, this is a lingering question. He wants the question to sit on top of the entire conversation. And it's kind of the same question in both. Both of these questions are kind of asking the same thing, except this one is a little more poignant. It's a little more pointed. It's a, it's a little more sharp. You know, um, if you've got a, a, a do y'all have a way to sharpen knives? Who has a knife sharpener? Okay, all right. Do you have the type that is the round type, like the round file? Do y'all have that? Okay, I've got that at home. And that thing has two sides on it. There is one side that has a sharper angle. It's made to get off more of the big stuff and get it close to where you need it. Because sometimes your knife gets a little warped and, and, and there's a little nick on it or something and you've got to get all that stuff off first. And so it has that side so you can really get a lot of that, that big stuff off. But then you turn it over and it's got a more... Uh, a more slight angle to it because what that does is that makes it finely sharpened you see this gets off all the big stuff this gets off all that little stuff and makes the tiny imperfections perfect that's what these questions are doing the first one is shaving off most of it 
You know, if you've ever worked with a lathe, you start by getting you start by getting off really the corners and kind of getting it to a general round shape. And then you can really work it with the finer instruments to get those small details that make it look good. Okay? That's what's going on here. He's cutting off most of it with the first question. And in fact, that's the question he's going to directly deal with. And then that second question is just going to make that point even finer, even smoother, cut even more to the heart of the matter. But he leaves it lingering. So let it linger while we deal with the first question. Okay? Let it simmer. Let that, let that, let that sauce thicken on that back eye while we're dealing with this first question. What good is faith without works? Okay? Jesus begins to answer the question with a real-life scenario. This is a practical guy. He finds wisdom in practical things. No wonder his brother is walking around telling all kinds of parables that are down to earth. Jesus was the type that said, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl hidden in a field, and a guy stumbles upon it, so he sells everything to buy the field. It doesn't matter whether you have a great pearl or not, whether you've ever bought a field because of what was on it. You understand it, right? It's a real-life, down-to-earth kind of scenario. We often call those things parables because they put heavenly wisdom alongside with earthly reality so that we can understand it better. Parable literally means alongside of something. So, so uh, th- this, is, this, is, this is how James is wired, too. He wants it to be real. He doesn't want it to be abstract and just in the mind. He wants this lived out. So he's going to give you a practical example. And the example that he gives is the example of the needy and the unemployed. Now, when I say unemployed, I don't mean the one that doesn't have a job. I mean the one that isn't working. Okay? I'm using it in a more general sense. Look in verse 15. We'll see the needy. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. This isn't some random person off the street. This is a believer a brother or a sister, someone you know, someone that's part of the community of faith, and they don't have the very basic things they need to survive. This isn't, I need a bigger fishing boat. This isn't, I need more money. This is, I don't have clothes. I don't have a roof over my head. I don't have food to survive. That's the needy. Let's see the unemployed. Verse 16, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled. Can I translate this into modern Christianese? I'll pray for you. Now, that's the I'll pray for you that probably won't pray for you. I'm not talking about the person that really all they can do is pray, and and they are just like, man, they, they, they get down on their knees, and it's like armies of heaven showing up to the fight. I mean, I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about that, that I might pray for you, but I'm probably not going to do it more than once. And it's going to be real quick. God, help them get food. Amen. And move on with their life. That's, they're not working. He says, you, you say that and you don't give them what they need. What good is that? I mean, let's just ask a practical question here. How many folks have been fed with a good intention? Zero. You see, it's a hypothetical situation, but it's pretty clear truth, huh? Good intentions may have the right heart, but they don't mean a lick to anybody who has need until you actually put that good intention into action. 
It takes real effort to help those who need. By the way, I didn't mention this earlier. Uh, Pinky was telling me about someone that she met, a pastor who hands out Bibles, uh, who is looking for donations of Bibles. So you want to talk about a way to help someone in need. You probably have more than one Bible in your house. I know I do. I've got tons of them. I've got a whole shelf full of evangelistic Bibles. This guy goes around and hands them out, and he is, he is looking for donations. So if you've got some Bibles in good condition, we're not looking for the ones that are falling apart. We're looking for something that someone can use. But if you've got one that's gently used or brand new, bring it next Sunday. We'll get it to him, okay? All right? That's a way to help the needy, right? That's something that'll really actually help because, I don't know, we get 50 Bibles. That's 50 people that can hear the Word of God, can read it for themselves. Man, you're talking about making a difference. That'll make a difference. But you have the needy and the unemployed, and James makes the conclusion that's pretty easy for us to make too. You know, it doesn't really matter what your intentions are because it takes actual effort to help those that are in need. So verse 17, he says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, just as you can't help someone who's needy without actually helping them, faith that doesn't do anything is dead. Now, the Greek word for dead is the word nekros, dead. No life. There's no sleeping. It's not Jesus encountering a girl that's dead and, and he says, oh, she's merely sleeping. It's not that kind of dead. This is dead. It's dead, dead. This is so dead, nothing, nothing can help this. It's gone. So James gives us our answer. Faith without works is dead. He doesn't beat around the bush much, does he? <laughs> he says it straight. He doesn't say, well, I would much prefer that you had a faith that was actively involved in various needs of ministry around your community. No, he just tells you out. Faith without works is dead. Hey, that's pretty good. Someone should put that on a church sign somewhere. So that's it, right? Let's, let's sing the invitation and go home, right? That's it? No, because we're people. And it doesn't matter how good the argument is. We're going to find objections anyway. Right? Anybody like that? I'm like that. James, raise your hand. You're like that. Mitchell, raise your hand. You are too. We find objections. We don't like it. We object to it. Nope. So, the objection. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Now, this is a little hard to understand uh, uh, because he's actually talking, um, this person is talking about the you as being the community as a whole or the, these people that have uh, faith without works. Someone, uh, you might even read this without the quotation marks and just say, but someone will say that you have faith and that I have works. In other words, James is saying, saying um, the objection that they're giving is that faith is my thing. Faith is what I do and works are your thing. Works are what you do. Faith is my thing. I, that's my role. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Everybody has a part to play, right? I mean, you've got, you've got, um, you've got the people that, that, that they got bad backs and they can't really do in the nursery. So uh, they, they don't really have a lot of the opportunities. And so, they, so they, they pray. That's their thing. Or you've got the person that shows up on Sunday morning and, and that's it. That's all they do is show up. You got the person that puts money in the offering plate. Maybe they put extra money in the offering plate. 
But, but that's their thing. They think of that. You know, evangelism, that's just not my gift. I, I can't do that. Now, I, you know, I think it's great that you go to prison and you minister to somebody, but I, I'm, not, I'm too pretty to go to prison. <laughs> Whatever the objection may be. Faith is my thing. I do the faith part. I do the part that believes God. I do the part that prays. I do the part that pays the bills. Or I do this part. I pay you to do that, Pastor. That's your job. Have you ever heard someone say that before? Can I, can I tell you something? That's sin. You know why it's sin? Because God does not give us the option of whether or not to do the works of ministry. All of us, whether we have the title of minister or not, are ministers. Whether it's recognized or not, whether people call us brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or not, whether we've got our name on a sign somewhere that says that we're in some official capacity as a minister, God has called every single one of us to be actively involved in the work. Faith is my thing, some will say. Works are your thing. You do that part, I do the faith part. But that's a false objection. And James gives us four examples Four examples to show us how false that objection is. Number one, he points the finger straight at himself. The first example is James. But someone will say, verse 18, you have faith and I have works. James's response, show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. He says, all right, this, this objection that I do faith and you do works, Faith is my thing and works are your thing. That's a false objection because how do you actually prove that you have faith? By works. I can tell you that I would be the greatest Jeopardy champion in the history of the world. But until I actually go on Jeopardy, it's all talk. I would not be, by the way. Let me just make sure you realize I do not have that big of a head. Maybe second or third, but not the greatest. I had a friend that tried to get on and, and he said it was incredibly tough. This was a smart guy and valedictorian of our class and, and just like, he was, he was, yeah. And he couldn't get on Jeopardy because he couldn't make it through some of the qualifications in order to get on to Jeopardy. And that's some serious stuff there. But the point is, he says, you can't show faith without works. Look, look, you try to show me your faith without works. I'll just show you my faith by my works. I'll just do the work that shows faith. By the way, side note, this one's for free. You have some sort of leadership capacity. The first example should always be you. Not because you're proud of yourself, but because you're leading by example. The first place they ought to look for to know how to do it, the first place they ought to know, they ought to look to know how to go about this problem, the first place they ought to look to know what is right and what's wrong ought to be you, dad, mom. It ought to be you, boss. It ought to be you, leader. Whatever capacity that might happen to take, you ought to be the one setting the way. You ought to be the first example. Now, that doesn't mean you have to brag about it. But sometimes you need to say, hey, look, look how I'm doing this. Do this do this, this way. It might be, you know, when, when, when I faced problems like this I had to learn this lesson let me show you let me show you what this really looks like it might be hey I didn't tell you to do it that way stop it whatever capacity it needs to be though you ought to be the first example all right that's a freebie look at that free charge 
I will show you my faith by my works. He's hinting at something here. Do you see it? Do you see where he's going with this? Well, that's the first example. The second example he gives, well, let's just... Let's just put it this way. It's not exactly what you would think of. You would think he would go straight to the hall of faith, the, the hall of fame in Hebrews 11, and he'd be picking out names left and right from there, and he'd be saying, hey, hey, look at this guy, look at that guy, look at this woman, look at them, look at how they responded to this situation. Uh, he would, you, you would think that James would be all over this with example after example after example of Old Testament Christians. I mean, hey, he could even point to his brother and say, look at Jesus. But instead, he gives what is most what, what most of us would consider uh, not not the greatest example to follow. Let's just put it that way: demons. What? Demons? We're talking about faith. What do you mean demons are an example? Now, I admit, I'm not going to stand up here very often and preach to you. We should be more like demons. Okay? All right. But watch, verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Notice the example that he's given. Demons believe. That's, that's, that's faith. And they're afraid. That's an action, y'all. Even the demons put works along with faith. Now, it ain't much faith. And, and hold on, I'll hold that for a name. Hang on. Hang on to that thought, okay? Keep that in mind. We're coming back to that. Even demons know better than to have a faith without works. Maybe someone wasn't convinced. I don't know how you wouldn't be, but perhaps. Perhaps somebody was saying, in fact, I know somebody wasn't convinced because he says in verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person? <laughs> hey, hey, dummy, wake up. Do you still need more evidence? Do you want to be shown, a foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? You need any more proof? Let's go to the heroes. Abraham. Example three is Abraham. Abraham. Was not Abraham our father, verse 21, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Wasn't it, wasn't it Abraham offering Isaac on the altar? Wasn't that him being justified? Now there's two ideas of justification. There's two, there's two ideas in this word. One is the idea that we are made right, and one is the idea that we are shown to be right. And he clarifies this, verse 22. In fact, um, you might even say, before we get to 22, you might even say, well, wait a minute, I thought he was justified by faith. I mean, isn't that what Paul says in Romans, that we're justified by faith? Galatians, we're justified by faith. This is why Luther called this a straw epistle because he thought this was completely antithetical to the idea that we are justified by faith. James is saying you're justified by works, but, but Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, right? Exactly. And that happens before him putting Isaac on the altar. Verse uh, Chapter 15 of Genesis, Abraham believed God. Chapter 22 is when he puts Isaac on the altar. So what's going on here? How can James say that he's justified by works? 22. You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. You see, faith without works is incomplete. I got counted off on a math test one time. I, I, I did the test and I got counted off 
because I didn't show my work. I didn't need to show my work. I knew my work was right. I was, I was very humble in those days. And I would just write an answer down. And the teacher said, no, you got to show your work. Why did I have to show my work? Because he wanted to torture me, obviously. I mean, there's, no. I know what this is. I know this is the right answer. See, it's right. Why do I need to show work? You know why I needed to show my work? Because not everything was going to be that easy. And I needed to get into the habit of working it out so that I could get the right answer. Because when it's easy, anybody can write the answer down and be right. But as it gets harder, it's easy to lose track. It's difficult to move four, five, six steps at a time. And if I was making a mistake, I needed to be able to find it. I had to show my work. You could put down the right answer to the question, but we need to show our work. How do we get there? How do we know that Jesus is Lord? More than that, what does it matter that Jesus is Lord? We need to show our work. We need to have the works that demonstrate what we know is true. When God said, uh, when, when the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, what it's saying is that Abraham is putting faith in God. But it's not until chapter 2 when he puts Isaac on the altar, James says, do we actually see that faith work? Up until that point, Abraham doesn't really do anything that demonstrates that faith until God says sacrifice Isaac. You know that son of promise? You know that son you got when you were 100 years old that I said all the nations of the world would be blessed through that son, through the lineage of that son? Yeah, kill him. Put him on our altar, slay him before me. And I don't think it's that... I have the picture in my mind, and maybe this is wrong, but I have the picture of my mind of Abraham not just having the knife up in the air, but actually starting to come down with it before the angel stops him. You know why? Because it's not until you actually start that motion that he says, I fully and completely trust you, God. That work completed his faith and showed that he was justified. And that's what James says in 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. You see, the scripture here was a promise. It was a, it was a prophecy. It was a foretelling. In chapter 22, it becomes reality in time. Over here, it was just as true. But it was true in God's sense. In the sense that it's already true, but we just haven't seen it work out yet. In 22, it becomes true by action. It's lived out. James is making the point that faith is completed by works. So, verse 24. You see that a person is justified, shown to be righteous, shown to have faith by works and not just by faith alone. And Abraham isn't the only example that he points out. He gives us a fourth example. So we got James himself. We got the demons. Unlikely example, but an example nonetheless. We've got Abraham. That's, that's a more traditional example. That's going to speak, that's going to preach among Jewish believers. Jews that have surrendered to Messiah Jesus. That, Abraham will preach. There's a fourth one. You might think he's unlikely. I, I don't think so. Rahab. Verse 25, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Do you remember the story? They came, they were in the city, they were getting chased down. Rahab kind of pokes out the door and says, quick, quick, come in here. Shuts them up, hides them in some, in some stuff up on the upper level of her house. 
I used to think it was strange, the roof. Now I understand how, how, the, how houses in that day were built. Uh, her roof is basically the top of the wall. She is hiding them in a whole bunch of stuff along the top of the wall. An unlikely place to be hidden, but it worked. And when she gets them out, she says, you know, we've been hearing about you. Here's another freebie. Do you know that time in the wilderness while the Israelites were wandering, while one generation was passing off and another generation was growing up and, 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 and the sins of their disbelief were being punished? In that time of wandering, and we typically think of the time of wandering as a bad time for Israel, you know what was also going on? Word was spreading from Egypt about how Pharaoh's army had drowned in the Red Sea while the Israelites had walked safely across dry ground. How the Amalekites had come out to challenge this bunch of slaves that had no military training whatsoever and how they were defeated by those Israelites by the power of their God. You know, the stories would have gotten around about this guy hitting a rock and water coming out to give the whole congregation what they needed of this mysterious substance that they ate every day that nobody had ever heard of before. Word was getting out about what God was doing for his people. So while they're turning circles in the wilderness, waiting for God to finish his punishment so the next group can come into the promised land and conquer it, the promised land are shaking in their boots because they know this group is coming. And they've heard the stories of what their God has been doing through them. You ever, you ever think, consider that? You ever stop and think about that? She says, we've been hearing about you and, and our knees are shaking because we know that your God is real and that he is with you. Hmm. That's faith working. Even a foreign prostitute grafted into the messianic line has a faith proven by our works. So the conclusion, faith without works is dead. Uh, Notice there's a little bit difference here. His answer originally was faith without works is dead. Now I think we can add an exclamation point. Faith without works is dead. It has no value whatsoever. But I said we had two questions, right? I think we firmly dealt with uh, uh, what good is faith without works? It's no good whatsoever. But now we've got that lingering question. Can faith without works save? It's been lingering over the whole passage. I think, I think we can give an answer. But let's, let's compile the evidence. You can't help needy people without actually helping them. You've got to actually provide for their needs, no matter what your good intentions are. You can't demonstrate your faith without works. You have to have works to prove that faith is real. Even demons have enough faith to act on it, and they are not saved. Abraham, Rahab, are both justified by faith completed by works. And faith without works is dead. Have I made that point enough? So I think we can give an answer now. No, faith without works cannot save. In fact, faith without works is incomplete. It's not enough. So what kind of faith does save? Well, faith that works. A faith that works. That's a faith that does the will of God. That surrenders my will to his will. That puts full confidence in Christ's righteousness and atonement and none in the filthy rags that I call my righteousness. That confesses my sins before a holy, just, and merciful God. The kind of faith that bears fruit. That's a faith that will not only save, but it's absolutely guaranteed to save. Do you have a faith 
that works? Do you have a saving faith? Now it's time for that invitation. Now it's time for us to put some works to the faith. Maybe God's been tugging on your heart. Maybe he's been, he's been reaching you in a way that he's never done before. Maybe you've seen, seen this, this with such clarity that, that the faith that you have been possessing is not real faith. That it, that it may be a good start. It may be good to believe, but it's not enough to work. Well, friend, it's not enough to save either. If he's calling you, would you surrender to him? Would you put full, complete faith in him? Pray with me. Father, we know faith without works is dead. It's not capable of saving. It's lifeless. Father, we recognize you've called us to live a faith that is active, obedient to you, a faith that is lived out. Yes, we'll make mistakes. Yes, we'll fail at times. Yes, yes, it's a struggle, but it's the kind of faith that endures. It's the kind of faith that's more than just what we believe in our head. It's the kind of faith that has permeated the stone of our heart and has given us in its place a heart of flesh, a heart that bends to you, a heart that yearns for you, a heart that loves others the way you do. Father, this morning I pray that you would move in our hearts, stir up within us the faith that is able to save. Those that know you, I pray that we would be stronger in our faith, that we would submit to you more and more so that when you finish your work in us and and sanctify us and bring us fully into the image of your son, that you wouldn't have much work left to do because you've already been doing it along the way. Thank you for doing your work. Help us in faith to do ours. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.